This is Keep It Simple, a weekly discussion of significant issues regarding the Word of God and His people. Our host is Pastor Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Pasadena, and the Simple Truths Radio Ministries. Good day and welcome to Keep It Simple, weekly internet talk show of the Simple Truths Radio Network. Pastor Xavier Reese, Pastor X, Tuesday again. How we doing? Good, good. I didn't have to go to a report for jury duty, so it's real good. <laughs> you guys pray for me so I don't have to go all week long. Amen. Amen. Freedom is like almost like getting out of prison yeah. there. That's awesome. Also with us in the studio today, our brother Ray Miranda. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to episode 270 on this February 21st in the year of our Lord, 2023. Amen. And Jonathan Duran. Good morning, everybody. With video. Looking forward to today, Pastor X, we're going to continue examining the, the incarnational life of the Lord Jesus. And last time we, we talked, we, we addressed the Lord's purpose in the death of Christ. Today we're going to continue with an emphasis on the resurrection. And I want to mention that these segments were, are really based on Bible studies that you did right. probably about 20 years ago yeah. just here in Pasadena. And the resurrection of Christ is uh, obviously central issue to the Christian yeah. faith. And the Apostle Paul goes over that big time in, right. in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Mm -hmm. And he yeah. deals with it, you know, uh, if Christ isn't risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is, is empty. Right. Hard to get any more fundamental than that. Right, right, right. I mean, it's, a key, it's a key thing, as we'll see, to, uh, to the gospel message. Very yeah. important. Now, it's obvious, a whole, whole lot going on in the incarnation of the Lord, you know, God coming to earth as a human being. But for us, it's all about salvation in the end, sure. one way and another. When we're discussing the death of Jesus on the cross, Pastor X, it seems that the scripture really presents this as the, the prominent uh, issue of the Christian faith. Are we wrong in thinking that the importance of the death of Christ in some way really depends on the resurrection, does it? Yes, absolutely. Uh, without, um, without the resurrection, the death is meaningless. Okay. Uh, and so, you know, as, as Jesus went to the cross and he, he died for us, he died as the uh, Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Amen. He is the propitiation for our sins, not ours alone, but the whole world, 1 John 3, 2. But if Jesus just died and there's no resurrection, then where's our hope? Amen. Yeah. It's useless. Now, is that clearly laid out for us in the scripture, Pastor X? Yeah. Uh, the resurrection of Christ is found, again, it's not a New Testament doctrine. It's Old Testament. Amen. In the Old Testament, um, the book of Job, uh, chapter 19, 23 through 27, um, is the oldest book that's believed to be uh, written around Abraham's time. And, and there he says in that text, Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book that they were engraved on a rock with an iron pen and head forever. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand on the last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another, how my heart yearns within me. He's talking about the Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Yeah. He's talking about the Messiah who's going to be raised from the dead. So it's nothing new. The prophecy of the Psalms in Psalm 16, 9 through 10. Uh, Peter quotes in the day of Pentecost in chapter 2, 27 through 28. And there Peter is speaking about um, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He didn't leave his, hell in, uh, his soul in hell to see corruption. Jesus went down, as we know, uh, he went down for three days and he preached. First Peter tells us, uh, chapter 3, 19 through 21, he preached to those who were captive. Um, the compartment had uh, two, two sides, shield yeah. or Hades in the Greek, mm -hmm. and you have the place of torment and the place of comfort. The place of comfort is also called the place of paradise, Abraham's bosom, mm -hmm. and there's a gulf between them, and those that come here can't go there, and those there can't come here. Very, very clear. Now, we didn't know that until Jesus revealed that to us in Luke 16. Um, every, every person in the Old Testament just knew that as the grave, shield, the place of the departed, the underworld, and, and, and both went there, but we didn't know the, the, the two compartments. No. Um, and, and so Jesus says that, that he would descend. In fact, he told the thief on the cross, today 
you will be with me in paradise. Amen. So think about it. Yeah. Paradise is the bosom of Abraham. Right. Yeah. And so Jesus descended, 1 Peter 3, 19-21 says, He preached to those who were captive, and people always ask, did he just preach to those who were saved or to those? I think he preached to both. He announced it. He announced it to both. Amen. Okay? Yeah. They all made their decision prior to leaving here. Yeah. And then as he did, he scooped up all those who died in faith. Colossians 2, 14, 15 says, he made a public spectacle of them. They couldn't stop him. Nobody could stop him. And he transferred paradise to the third heaven. Paul uses that identification in 2 Corinthians 12. I knew a man in Christ about, 20, about 13 yeah. years ago. They were right. in, the, in the body, out of the body. I don't know. He was caught up to the third heaven, paradise. Yeah. And so That's interesting. all those believers were instantly in heaven. And now when people died after the resurrection, there's only one compartment, the place of those who are lost eternally and in suffering, yeah. waiting for the white throne judgment to have their sentence in the lake of fire. Yeah. And so people need to understand that. That's a terrifying thought, as you mentioned yes. that, you know, because here are these people, I mean, Luke 16, yeah. the, the account of Lazarus and the rich man, this guy's being tormented. Right. He's not even been completely judged no, by God No, 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 it's just a waiting hole. It's like, you wow. know, you get busted, you go to Twin Towers in L.A., yeah. and you get uh, six months there before your trial. That's just dead time. Yeah. But your trial hasn't started yet. Man. And, and, and so throughout the Old Testament, even in Isaiah 26, 19, he says, um, your dead shall live. Together with my dead body shall they arise. Awake and sing, do those who dwell on the dust, for your dew is like the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. So that's only a couple of scriptures we've looked at. There's many, many, many yeah. more. That resurrection was always uh, prophetic and was always part of the redemptive plan. Very important. Amen. Hard to argue that, that it wasn't an essential part of uh, God's purpose going forward. Obviously, the Lord knew sure. what he was going to do. He knew his plan. Interesting that the Jewish leaders, uh, for, like the Sadducees, which were probably the most powerful group mm -hmm. at the time of Jesus' incarnation, they rejected the, the resurrection even as a part of God's purpose. Sure. I guess that, that testifies to the power of deception. You know, they were, they were deceived. They were, yeah. they were fooled. Yeah. Well, you have the Sadducees, the rationalists, materialists, and you had the Pharisees, the religious uh, hypocrites, uh, and the two parties were one. One, the Pharisees believed in in the resurrection and, and spirits yeah. and in angels, and the Sadducees rejected it. And yet they both they, they both comprised the Sanhedrin. Yeah. How how crazy is that? Yeah. But not that crazy. We see the Republican and Democratic Party, and there's really no difference at all today anymore. Uh, so you know, you always have um, these different parties that exalt their own position when there's a clear uh, distinction between the two and one of them's right, the other one's wrong. Yes. Yeah. You, you both can't be right. Amen. Amen. So the New Testament is, is more articulate in the resurrection, as you know. Um, uh, Jesus said in John eleven twenty five, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believes in me, though he were dead, yet she shall live. Amen. Well, he wow. wasn't talking about, man, he's talking about dead and being raised from the dead. That's right. Uh, destroy this temple, Jesus said, and in three days I will raise it up again in John 2, 19. And he that's very early in his right. ministry. Right. He wasn't talking about the, the temple. The building, no. No, Solomon's temple. He's yeah. talking about his body. Mm -hmm. And then he makes that very clear. Uh, he gave the sign to the Jews about Jonah. As Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, mm -hmm. so shall the Son of Man spend three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. If I am going to be biblical and they ask me where is the hell, the grave right now, right. I would say it's the middle of the earth. Well, yeah. it's kind of interesting that uh, in the middle of the earth is magma, a core of magma, mm -hmm. hot. Okay? Yeah. Jesus says that's where it's at. Interesting. Anybody who says it's other place, they don't, they're crazy. Well, it's not biblical. Jesus it? said it's the middle of the earth, the heart of the yeah. earth. Okay? The heart of the earth is the very middle. Mm -hmm. Same distance. From the outside, the radius same at every point. <laughs> Amen. I guess you know if they weren't paying attention, you could miss how Jesus was pointing people to the resurrection all through his ministry, and he got it seemed to get plainer as he went along. Yeah. Uh, the the part you mentioned there in in the Gospel of John, 
where he talks about uh, taking down the temple and I'll raise it up. That's very early right. in his ministry. Right. But as he goes along, it gets plainer and plainer, right. especially in his, his talks to the, to the disciples. Yeah. Um, Jesus revealed that in the Mount of Transfiguration. Okay. Um, in, John, in Matthew 17, too, Jesus was transfigured, as you know. Um, we get the word metamorphosis from that. And um, there they saw a preview of the second coming. But the fact that they see him in his glorified body Amen. means and implies and is evidence that he was raised from the dead. Yes. Because he's standing before them physically up on the mountain, and all of a sudden the vision they see Moses and Elijah, Amen. and they're seeing a preview of the second coming. Amen. That's he's glorified. <laughs> so he's been raised from the dead. Yeah. And he tells them, by the way, don't tell anybody. Can you imagine how hard that was? <laughs> No. Those two, and they kept, they didn't say anything. <coughs> Amazing. That's wild. It's too crazy. So Jesus identifies the events of the Son of Man coming in the kingdom mm -hmm. right there. Mm -hmm. And that's the second coming. That's a preview of it. If you want another preview of the second coming, go to Psalm 2, that's where it right. says, there, Why did the heathen rage? Why do they imagine a vain thing? And the psalm finishes, He will have them in derision and says, Kiss the son, lest he be angry with you. Amen. The kissing of an idol is devotion to an idol. So you want to be devoted to anybody. You be devoted to the son before he comes back. When he comes back, it's too late. Interesting. Amen. Sometimes, you know, talking to a Bible skeptic, I, I think they're ignorant or willingly ignorant. But the simple issue of the, the testimonial evidence, right. the fact that the, this is the testimony of eyewitnesses of people who are there, actually saw these things and we have the historical record right and the same way as if it were in a court of law right you if, know it's if documented you would, if you would take the new testament evidence about the resurrection and it was examined in a court of law the conclusion could only be he rose from the dead Amen. based on the evidence yeah. um late r.a tory said quote the accounts are told in simplicity and straightforward, leaving the philosophizing to others. Amen. Everybody has a big mouth here on earth. <laughs> Everybody's a know-it-all down here on earth. But we must understand that the only thing that is absolute truth, reliable truth about man, sin, creation, everything having to do with right and wrong is in the scriptures. Amen. Everything else is roundabout. Everything else changes with culture, yeah. norms, mores, cultural relativity. We see it today. We have gotten so far left that we don't even, we, we, we couldn't identify where we were. Yeah. There is, it, we are living in an amoral world, mm -hmm. non-existent. We're caught up with pronouns and we can't even distinguish between a man and a woman. Yeah. Well, your chromosomes tell you who you are, a man or a woman, and then the equipment that God has given you. Amen. Simple. If you really look at it even, there are some diseases that only women get. Yeah. So even diseases identify what a woman Absolutely. is. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. What, smarter a rebuke. Than we are. what a rebuke to our society. It is. This idea of the resurrection, and this is kind of maybe a, a dumb question, Pastor Rex, is it possible to present the gospel of Jesus Christ without mentioning the raising from the dead? No. Okay. It's impossible. Uh, one leads to the other. Yeah. One demands the other. And so the book of Acts um, says that Peter preached the resurrection there in Acts 2, as we said. Uh, also in chapter 4, chapter 10, you look through the whole book of Acts. The resurrection is the heart of the gospel. Amen. Yes, Jesus died for our sins, but he was risen from the dead. Yes. Very, very important. So you might look at the, uh, the death of Christ uh, as the payment and the resurrection as the Father's receipt, mm -hmm. that he accepted that. My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? He's quoting Psalm 22. Yeah. A verse down tells you why, because you are holy. Jesus became literal sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, 2 Corinthians 5.21. So the Father poured out his wrath from noon on. It was dark yeah. all over the world. Not just in one place. And God the Father poured out his wrath on his son for me. The son tasted death for me. The son became sin for me. The son 
took my place. And as the father poured out his wrath, the payment was made as the last Adam because of the results of the first Adam. And then when he raised him from the dead, he said, payment's been paid in full. Amen. That's why no, no one can be saved apart from Jesus Christ. That's why there's only forgiveness of sins by Jesus Christ. Only the blood of Christ can forgive us, can redeem us, nothing else. There is no other option. People can philosophize, they can have religions, they can have opinions. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything. They can have a PhD in philosophy and be complete idiots regards to the Bible. Amen. Doesn't matter. Yeah. It's just their opinion. Yeah. It's interesting, uh, the Apostle Paul says that uh, Christ is declared to be the Son of God with power. Right. By the resurrection specifically. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Should we understand that there is a claim for us to be resurrected because Christ was? Should we make that connection from Scripture? Well, Paul promised that God um, who raised up Christ will raise us up in 2 Corinthians 4-14. Uh, so we're related to Christ because of our repentance. We believe that Jesus is God who became man, the promise of Genesis 3.15, mm -hmm. the promise to Isaiah 7.14, Behold, a virgin shall bear a child, call his name Emmanuel. A son to us is given, Isaiah 9, 6, uh, Micah 5, 2, it'll be in Jerusalem. And we believe that he is the Lamb of God, even as John the Baptist declared Jesus' his cousin to be, mm -hmm. and that he died for my sins, and that I only have provisions in his death and resurrection. Amen. I must repent. If I agree that I'm a sinner, that I am um, in the place of separation from God because of sin, mm -hmm. um, the, last, the first Adam made us all sinners, yes. uh, Romans 5.12. He was the federal head. Uh, no woman has ever given birth to a sinless baby. Amen. They're all little rotten little kids <laughs> because they belong to rotten parents, sinners. It takes them a while to develop that sin nature, but it's in there. It, it comes out. It's in there. <laughs> and so when we agree with God that we're sinners and that he alone can forgive us of our sins and to renew us and give us a new heart, with a new mind, a new spirit, then there's hope for us. We're never sinless or perfect, but we certainly don't live the way we used to. No. We know the difference. Mm -hmm. And when we blow it, we ask forgiveness. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. First John 1, 9 and 10 tells us. That doesn't mean that we, we, we practice on purpose sin. It's because we still have sin nature. If we don't walk in the spirit, we will walk in the flesh. Yeah. So people are always saying, well, what, you know, what, what's the difference then between people who just live in the world? Because now we understand that what we're doing is absolutely wrong. Before we did things that perhaps we knew it was wrong by conscience and by morality and that, but that's not repentance. No, not the same. It's that Jesus died for me and Jesus yeah. can make yeah. me clean. Jesus can make me whiter than snow. So I agree with him. I ask him to forgive me, to make me a child of God. That's the born-again experience that unless you have that, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Jesus told Nicodemus. Amen. Actually, in 1 John, it makes the point that people who practice sin as a way of life are by their conduct showing that they are really not connected to right. Christ at all. Right, right. Their lives are separated. Yeah, and again, there's some very clear-cut things, and we, we, we see that in the Scripture about if you practice sin, you don't know God, and this right. and that. Yeah. But because of that, too, people have been led to the eternal security doctrine of Calvinism. Falsely named and so that security. And so then really, if, if you are practicing, if it believes he believes a Christian or he says he's a Christian or other people say that, then he really wasn't saved. Well, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says some are saved, some are not saved. Amen. And some of those saved get caught up in sin again. Yes. All the warnings in the New Testament are to believers, not to non-believers. Now, that would be like a good application for that, the parable of the sower. Those who, Absolutely. the seed that falls among the weeds are drawn right. away by right. the, the cares of this Absolutely. world. I mean, the, the interpretation to the, the kingdom parables in Matthew 13 are key. Mm -hmm. Mark says, if you don't understand this parable, how are you going to understand all other parables? And that's the parable of the sower. So you need to under interpret those parables properly. Amen. And the only common sense 
way to interpret the parable of the sower is that there was four seeds. And now, it's talking about the heart of men. Right. The, the condition, the soil, the heart of men. Mm -hmm. The only seed that did not sprout is the one by the wayside. Mm -hmm. The birds came in, by the way, the word is harpazot, for the rapture, right. suddenly, violently. Yeah. The other three sprouted. And took up some roots. Second and three mm -hmm. fell away for different reasons, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. If a woman has a miscarriage, yeah. are we going to say she was never pregnant? Are we going to say there was not a real person in there alive? Amen. So people, because of their eternal security and this dogma that is unbiblical, force it upon the interpretation of Scripture. Yes. Every warning in Scripture, old or new, to not walk away, to not backslide, to not deviate, to not drift, to not depart from the living God, to not apostatize, is to believers, not to unbelievers. Amen. Paul turned over a believer in 1 Corinthians 5, 5 because he was sleeping with a stepmother. Yeah. And yeah. he says, turn him over to Satan. Yeah. People say, see, he was never born again, the, Cap the, the um, uh, Calvinists would say. Right. Or turn security. No. We don't turn non-believers over to Satan. They already belong to Satan. Amen. You turn over a believer who refuses to acknowledge his sin, who refuses to turn from his sin, and you excommunicate him from the church yeah. in hope that he might repent and you restore him. So confrontation is not for mere castigation. It's for restoration. But yes. sadly, often castigation has to be first before the restoration because we're so proud and so arrogant and yeah. so rebellious. People need consequences. So, um, and let's just put it this way. Let's say I'm completely wrong about what I teach. Okay. That there's no <laughs> way anybody can walk away. Right. Okay? What heresy am I teaching? Mm -hmm. By telling people that you have to abide in Christ Jesus and keep your accounts up to date. You're just in reinforcing the warnings I have in not taught any heresy, but... No. When you're saying that people are eternally secure, you're saying those people were never born again. You're teaching heresy. Yeah. In fact, yeah. you're teaching with a different God mm -hmm. than the Bible teaches. Yeah. You're, you're teaching the absence of justice. A perfect example is the distortion of those who are Calvinists or Reformed theology, same animal, mm -hmm. is with the parable of the prodigal son. Yeah. The parable of the prodigal son is the third parable of three parables. You have the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost two sons. Right. The punchline is given in the first. Joy over one sinner in heaven. Mm -hmm. How many sermons in Calvinists teach the prodigal son represents a person born again who departs, and because the proverb says, raise up your child the way he should go, and, and when he is old, he will not depart. And they tie those two together with eternal security and say, see, if he was born again, he'll come back. You've just destroyed that parable. Mm -hmm. The joy of that lost son that left the house and came back, he repented in the pig's pen. Yeah. He was not born again. He wasn't, he wasn't a believer. So every pastor or every teacher in the Bible that teaches that in the Bible gets an F minus. Yeah. You're destroying the parable, the punchline. The Bible disagrees with you. Yeah. You're absolutely misleading people. So back to the resurrection, Pastor X. I was talking to my neighbor this past week, and he was telling me that he was uh, he belonged to a particular denomination and wonderful guy, and I was sharing with him and just talking to him and finding out where he was at, and he told me that he, he, believe, he was an orthodox believer, he believes in the scripture, the only thing that he doesn't believe is in a bodily resurrection of believers. Right. He doesn't believe that people are going to be bodily resurrected, and I didn't think of it at the moment, but I should have told him, if you don't believe in the bodily resurrection of believers, of the church then how do you account for the body of Jesus sure. in the Gospels? Sure. Because that's the pattern. He's, that's the, the, he's the first fruits. That's it, right there. Absolutely. He's the sample of what's going to follow. Amen. Simple. So 
as we believe the resurrection is central to the gospel, we have to hold, first of all, that Christ's resurrection is a real historical event. Right. Because obviously, the world doesn't believe that. No, they don't. But the scriptures are very, very clear. The nature of the resurrection of, of the resurrection of Christ is clearly laid out. The resurrection of Christ was an actual resurrection. Amen. It was not a fraud suggested by the Passover plot and all the other philosophies that say that, um, that he just fainted and they stole his body and he recovered afterward. That's now, a lie. The Passover plot was a, a book that came out in 1965, but... It was uh, the idea was around a long time before right. the guy who wrote sure, the book, sure. and that idea really is promoted before the book. It was something that's right. pretty common. Well, it started with the with the Pharisees. Right. They said, you know, they told the guards, tell them that the disciples came and stole the body. Right. So, yeah. you know, it's nothing new. It's the same lies repeated through the different ages and generations. No big deal. The, a lot of things the Romans did, some better than others. Uh, but one of the things Romans did really well was kill people. Oh, yeah. They knew. Know, when, and, when, and they knew how to make them suffer oh, man. before they died. Absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we, we look at the example of the witness of Christ. In fact, there's a, you know, back in, what, the 70s, late 70s, early 80s, there was a great article from the American Medical Association talking about the death of Jesus. Right. And all the specific details of how he died yeah. and, and how it all it bore testimony to sure. the truth of scripture. You remember that he had a literal body like yours and mine. Amen. And yet he was uh, he was scourged, punched in the face, hair plucked out, uh, put nails through his wrists, not his hands, because right. that would have torn uh, right there. Uh, he was pierced through the heart on the side. Um, soldiers mocked him, people mocked him. Um, the very description of the thirst and the pain in Psalm 22 and others is just horrific. I mean, Jesus died a horrible death, a death that he did not deserve. He was sinless. Yeah. What happened to Jesus is, has been the most unjust thing that has ever taken place or will ever take place upon the face of this earth. Amen. We all deserve death and hell. He was the epitome of holiness. Yes. Wow. Amazing. Obviously, the biblical testimony we know, do we know that this wasn't uh, just, let's say, symbolic yeah. for the benefit of the disciples, Pastor X? Well, the resurrection of Christ was bodily, not spiritual, as okay. many people try to explain. Uh, Jesus told Mary in John 20, 17, Don't hang on to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. A literal body. That's pretty clear. Not a phantom. Yeah. Okay? Um, so when he was there... And which is interesting too, because notice he says, I have not ascended to my father yet. Yes. Okay? Yeah. So Jesus ascended twice. Mm -hmm. Okay, he had to go up to the third heaven to transfer everybody, and then 40 days after the resurrection. Okay, so you have two ascensions of him. Interesting. Though it's not really focused on much by many, many people. Okay? Uh, Jesus showed the 10 his hands in John 20, 19, 20. Right. And you know, wounds. doubting Thomas. Yeah. Hey. Put your hands on the side here, you know, my side. Exactly. In, in, in John 20, verse 7, Jesus ate with them mm -hmm. there and up in Galilee. I know some people are pretty concerned about whether we're going to be able to eat <laughs> in a glorified body, but apparently that's clear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anybody who denies the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, he's denying all the evidence that is in Scripture. Mm -hmm. It is not... Um, it is not uh, personal interpretation. If you follow the English language with a good translation from the Greek, it is very evident that Jesus rose from the dead. In fact, there were people in Jerusalem that were seen walking around who came out of their graves. Yes. As once again, the evidence of the first fruits. Jesus the first fruit, then those in their own order. Mm -hmm. And so he gave samples of what was gonna happen to others. They saw them. Mm -hmm. Interesting. That's, it's not something that's made up. No, not at all. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to Keep It Simple. Today we're talking about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and we'll be right back with you after these messages. The Calvary Chapel Pasadena Bookstore is a full-service Christian bookstore offering Bibles, books, cards, gift ideas, audio messages from Pastor Xavier Reese, study guides, and more. 
We're located in Calvary Chapel, Pasadena at 2200 East Colorado Boulevard. That's two blocks west of Sierra Madre Boulevard in Pasadena. We're open Tuesday through Friday from 9 a.m. till 5 p.m., as well as after every midweek and Sunday service. We also have an online bookstore offering many items available for purchase at store.calvarychapelpasadena.com. Feel free to give us a call, 626-584-9992. That's 626-584-9992. Or visit calvarychapelpasadena.com for the Calvary Chapel Pasadena Bookstore, serving the community since 1995. Who or what is the basis of your life? Here's Pastor Xavier Reese. 1 John 2, 15 and 16, you know it. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. You see, you can call yourself a Christian, but is your home being run by biblical principles? Check the online program guide for Pastor Xavier Reese's daily expositional studies here on Simple Truths Radio at calvarychapelpasadena.com. Have you ever wondered what the Bible says about the rapture or angels or even about life and death? Well, in the new doctrinal series of the Bible just released by Pastor Xavier Reese, you'll discover answers to these questions and so much more. In this brand new USB flash drive and MP3 audio format, you'll find over 50 messages included from a sermon series entitled, What About? You'll hear these full-length messages answering numerous questions about God, the Scriptures, and the Christian faith. It's the What About? Doctrinal Series of the Bible, available now for just $19.99 plus shipping from the online store at calvarychapelpasadena.com. It's a PC-Mac compatible MP3 audio USB flash drive from Pastor Xavier Reese from his What About? Doctrinal Series for just $19.99 plus shipping. Available now in the online store at calvarychapelpasadena.com. That's calvarychapelpasadena.com. We return now to Keep It Simple and this week's discussion, addressing issues of consequence for the church. Hosted by Pastor Xavier Reese of Calvary Chapel, Pasadena. And you're back with us here at Keep It Simple today, talking about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and the, the scriptural evidence. Uh, Tuesday night, we have the uh, men's and women's Bible study tonight, right. Pastor X. Excited yes. about that and got a lot of great reports back from the youth conference. Kids came back sun, uh, Monday. Yeah. Came back Monday afternoon. It and was cold up there. Yeah, that's what Pastor Diego was saying. It was too cold. Yeah. And, but they had a great time. The Lord blessed them and used it. So thank the Lord for all the, for all the prayers that went out. Appreciate uh, everybody having a hand upon it. As we're looking here at the at the resurrection of uh, Jesus, you, one of the interesting things that comes out, and you mentioned a little bit earlier, the, the Jewish leaders had a powerful interest in getting out in front of the truth and trying to discredit the resurrection. Right. Um, and if it wasn't purely a, a spiritual resurrection, why is Jesus' situation so different? The way that he appears right. to people or people don't recognize him, that's very, that's interesting. Right, right. And again, um, the body of, of, of Jesus is the same body he had, but now it's glorified. Okay. It's in a glorified manner because we know that he was there with the disciples and he walks through the wall. He just shows up, yeah. He just goes from Jerusalem up to Galilee. <laughs> you know I mean, it's gonna be. I'm looking for that body. Amen. Okay. And yet, and yet, he says, "Touch it." Yeah. This is after the resurrection. Yes. He ate with them. Mm -hmm. The bread and fish didn't fall to the ground no. once he put in his mouth. <laughs> okay, a literal body, but different, yeah. different molecular structure, completely different. So this is the the sample body that is promised to us, the believer. Right. Though that body is not the minute you die. Now, some people teach that. I used to teach that. Uh -huh. I was wrong. Yeah. The minute we die, 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 8 says, we're instantly present before the Lord. Amen. He says it twice. Mm -hmm. We're never found naked. Mm -hmm. So what are we in? I don't know. Yeah. But we're not naked. Right. So we don't want to add, don't want to take away. I'm instantly present. I'm not naked. But I'm not in my glorified body. Because the glorified body happens at the rapture. Yes. 
First Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17 says the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive will remain shall be caught up. So our puzzled in the air. Yeah. And we will be caught up and meet our loved ones who are descending from heaven with Jesus. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Yes. That's the cadavers. Uh -huh. Then we who are alive follow. So every corpse has been put in the body, whether it's cremated. Every believing corpse. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And much of, most of them are ashes by now. Or dust, yep. Dust, or part mm -hmm. of a tree. That's right. No problem <laughs> for God. No. All right? Yeah. Everybody's going to receive a glorified body. The people that are alive at the rapture, uh -huh. like right now the rapture happens. I'm in this physical body. Right. If it has right now, I'm going to receive, this body's going to be glorified on the way up. But it will not, I will not go before the dead. No. They're going to be, let's just say, a thousand of a second before me. Okay? Right. Yeah. I'm going to be behind them, all right? Time element is not a factor anymore. No. So the glorified body is at the rapture. Right now, we're instantly present with the Lord. And that's really important. Very important. Because your physical body has to change right. into the, and that's what the Apostle Paul says. This corruptible will put on in corruption. It's going to be changed. And that has to happen. Sure. Otherwise... What happened to the physical body of Jesus? Right. It changed. Right. Absolutely. Amen. Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the scripture doesn't give us a lot of detail into some of these issues. No. I mean, we don't know a lot, but we know that, you know, this is the Lord's plan. But again, Paul, because the Corinthians are arguing against the resurrection. Right. For whatever reason. There you go. They're Christians. And they're believing this stupid stuff that, you know, there's no resurrection. And so Paul tells them that Jesus was the first fruit to those that would follow in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, 23. Amen. He says there's a celestial body and there's a, 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 a terrestrial body. There's an incorruption and corruptible body. Yeah. And he makes a distinction between all those things. And, and, and through that whole passage of 1 Corinthians 15, he says if we deny the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ, we deny his death. Yes. And the whole world's lost. Yeah. And we the Christians, we've we've been deceived. We deceiving ourselves and we're deceiving others. We have no hope. Yeah. My hope is not just for life here. My hope is not just to be able to live a good life here, though that helps. Amen. But that when I give my last breath, I'm gonna be instantly present with the Lord. And at the rapture, when Jesus comes for his church. I'm going to have a glorified body. Amen. And I want to be living with him forever and ever. And that chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, really gives you an, an anchor point yes. for how important the resurrection is to everything else. Yes. It all hangs upon that truth. Um, in the scripture, we see a number of other resurrections. Um, we mentioned, we were off the air a minute ago, about uh, Lazarus or the, the widow right. of Nain, or, right. or others. How are those similar to the resurrection of Jesus, or well, are they? a resurrection means that we die and we're raised in a different body, ultimately. Uh -huh. Okay? Like That's we were just talking about. Okay? Yeah, okay. But these individuals, they were brought back from the dead. Okay. They're not raised. So technically, it's no. not the same kind of resurrection. You have the widow's son. You have the Shunammite uh, son. You have uh, Jairus' daughter, the widow of Nam, uh -huh. Lazarus, Dorcas. All of these were brought back to life. Right. They died, and God brought them back to life. That's not a resurrection. Okay. A resurrection, when I die physically, if I die today... And Jesus comes for his church tomorrow, I will receive my glorified body. Amen. Okay. I don't come back here on earth. No. That's totally different. Yeah. So all these people that I just mentioned, they have to die again. Yeah. All right? Yeah. It it makes you wonder, you know, you read these accounts and you wonder if some of them might have been a little bit upset. Well, of course. Yeah. <laughs> what? I'm back here again? I have to die again? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's, and I, again, there's a lot of things in Scripture that, that we don't understand fully or clearly, sure. or we cannot come to the conclusive um, understanding of that based on our intellectual knowledge. Yes. Uh, it's, we, we believe the word by faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If I believe what the Bible says, my faith is based upon the revelation of God. Amen. 
not upon my own understanding. So what God has revealed, I must trust that mm -hmm. to be absolute truth. That's biblical faith. So you can't say, well, you know, I, I, I don't believe in the resurrection. Well, you're contradicting the scripture. You're a Christian? Exactly. You can't, you, it's like you're, you know, you, you're growing up and you look at your parents and say, well, I don't believe I have parents. You don't even have parents. You're here. <laughs> It's stupid. Yeah. Trust me, you've got yeah. a mommy and a daddy somewhere. So, so people, even quote, quote, called believers, they, they say some dumb things, and probably because they're not grounded in the Word of God. And it they seems, mix their philosophies. Yes. People are, are so attached to um, the, the ideas of empirical uh, belief. Yeah. Because, it, and a lot of it comes out of the academic model sure, of universities sure, sure. and stuff. For you personally, as a believer, Pastor X, you don't, there are things about the resurrection that you may not understand. No, no. And you've never seen it happen. No. You've never seen a person with a glorified body. Yeah. But there are other areas of your life that God has revealed himself to you so powerfully and so clearly that you have no problem. Sure. With that, sure. With that idea sure. of the resurrection. And that's the thing, as we come to the Lord, he deals with our heart, we're yeah. walking with him. Amen. And, but our, 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 our life is always based on the revelation of God's word. Amen. In other words, he said, sin can only be cleansed by blood. Right. Particular blood, sinless blood. Particular person, my son. A particular way, I'm going to pour out my wrath upon him and raise him from the dead. Amen. Those are very specific things. Yes. I can't say I don't believe in two of those five or six. I've got to believe everything in the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's impossible not to. It's the Word of God. And so um, and we don't understand. But that's why inductive Bible study is the key way to interpret. Mm -hmm. you, in, in other words, you only take out what is there, observation. Don't add to it. Don't interpret. If it says, you know, it, it says, in the, beginning, uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Very simple verse. Okay? What is there? Well, in, in the beginning, okay, I put a question, what beginning is this? Yes. Beginning. Right. God. God. Who's God? Mm-hmm. Created. All right? Created. Let's see what that word means in the Hebrew. Mm -hmm. The earth. That's all that's in that verse. Now, as I start doing my inductive Bible study, and I look at words, I look at the grammar, and I look at that, I realize that uh, in the beginning, that beginning is the beginning of chronological time that comes out of eternity into chronological time, as we know it, past, present, and future. Right, right. God, God Elohim, mm -hmm. that is a compound unity. It ends with an I, I, I am. It's Any Hebrew word, word it's a plural <laughs> word. The Trinity's there. It is. Okay, and it goes by in verse 2, the Spirit of God brooded upon the face of the deep. So in the beginning, God Elohim created, bara, out of nothing. Right. He spoke it into being, yeah. and it's confirmed through the Scriptures. What was it? The earth. That's all that verse is saying. It's not asking for a poll. No. It's not asking for opinions. <laughs> not trying to convince anybody. No. It's declaring as a proclamation, this is what I did. Yes. I am God. You're not. Very, very simple. And it's so important as you, you know, inductive Bible study to separate because I fear that in a lot of churches, people walk away with a whole lot more opinion. Yeah. Yeah. and uh, perspective that has been affected and yeah. what we need, the words of Scripture. Yeah, yeah. Very sadly, too, too sadly, uh, today, much of Bible teaching is storytelling. Yeah. And the emergent yeah. church and the progressive liberals have gotten into the universities and the seminaries and all that, and everybody's talking about their journey, and everybody's talking about this and that and stories, and, you know, and they're not teaching the Word of God. Verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, good inductive Bible study. You don't get that just by cursive reading. No, no. And it's interesting, as you were talking about uh, Genesis 1-1, you, you made mention of the language and stuff. But in most of the Bible, you don't have to be a language scholar. Nope. You don't have nope. to know Hebrew or nope. Greek. Nope. If you just spend time examining the words of Scripture, the context will tell you. you're going to find yeah. it. Yeah, it's yeah, all right yeah. there. And that's important because, you know, many times, especially people that, that know the languages, mm -hmm. sometimes they go overboard and say, well, you know, you need to know the original languages. Okay, well, let's, 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 let's verify that by Scripture. Yeah. 
Jesus came to speak to normal people. Now, of course, he spoke in Aramaic, he spoke in Greek. People knew that language, the Koine Greek, so no problem. But Jesus knew that it was going to go to the future generations. Yeah. Jesus knew that it would be translating to different languages. And so God has allowed and raised up people in the original languages that made good translations of good translations, like King, Old King James, New King James, yeah. okay? The grammar is intact. And so if you do good inductive Bible study with, the, with, with language, even in the most basic way, the context and the historical background, you're going to understand what's going on there. Because if everybody has to know that, then we have to say that 99.9 .9 of the human race will never be able to read the Word of God on their own. Which is so foolish. you have to be careful as a scholar. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. I do not know Hebrew. I do not know Greek. But I depend on the scholars, Weiss, Robertson, Nicole, many other sure. guys, okay? And I read them all and I look at that and, and they give you the evidence, the grammar and all that, and I follow it, okay? But it doesn't mean that you even have to have that. People yeah. in India, yeah. people in Africa don't have don't those have tools. It. Amen. Okay? So be careful what you say about the languages. I'm all for it. Sure. Okay? Let's do what we can. To those that much is given, much more is required. I have those resources. God holds me accountable to use them. Yes. Someone doesn't, God accounts them to be responsible to read it and to do what they can the way they are. We've got to believe that God's going to provide what, Absolutely. We, what we need. Absolutely. You know, and that's the thing. Absolutely. Pastor X, I've heard Bible critics that hold, and unfortunately, Bible critics in the History Channel and the Discovery Channel and all kinds of other foolishness. They hold to the idea that the documents of the New Testament are from the second century yeah. or even later right. sometimes. And I, I really believe this. I think it's because they cannot afford... Right to have the New Testament be from eyewitness accounts. Of course. Of people of course. Who are, does that apply to the resurrection here, do you think? Of course, of course. See, even, uh, even if you take the book of Daniel, mm -hmm. all, those, all the uh, uh, critics said, no, Daniel, there's no way. But, you know, Dick Wilson did the whole study. I mean, you look at his commentary, the evidence, the culture, it's everything. Amazing. It's amazing. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, archaeological digs, everything else. And the critics are always proven wrong. When the, there's only one book archaeologists use in the Middle East Amen. to find things, <laughs> the Bible. That's right. Not Webster's Dictionary, not the telephone book, not even an iPhone, the Bible. That's what they do. It's the truth. You know, it's terrible. It, uh, you know, people have all these crazy ideas and they're just confused. I mean, how many times did Jesus appear? 10, 12, 13 different times. Yeah, yeah. He was around for 40 days speaking yes. about the kingdom of God. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, the amount of evidence is so overwhelming. You've got to be a, a complete willful re rebel against God. You have to hate God, hate his word, hate his evidence, and you want to do war against him. That's the heart of man. Amazing. Scripture tells us he... he uh appeared to more than 500 people at one time. At one time? That's crazy. At one time. And there are a couple, of, it's also interesting to me, there are a couple of situations, one where he appears to Simon Peter, mm -hmm. and one where he appears to his half-brother, James, right. and we're never told what, the, what happens in those situations. Right. Just that that happened. Right. And, and I think that's really interesting. And, I mean, let's push it forward. Jesus uh, discipled Paul for three and a half years in Arabia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but now interesting. Uh, those now those situations that took place after the forty days in the ascension, right. are we we thinking that that's a literal appearance of Christ in His glorified body, or is that a vision? We don't know. Okay, we have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea. But Jesus discipled them for three and a half years. Yeah, Amen. Amen. You know, did nobody disciple them? No one made a disciple. Uh, not any of the other apostles or anything else. In fact, the book of Galatians, he's very adamant about that. Yeah. Very, very clear. Well, I love in, in Ephesians chapter 4, he says to the people in Ephesus, um, if, you, you have, if you have heard Jesus, if you have been taught by him, yeah. you know, and that sure. direct inference. Yeah. And when we're born again, he teaches us. When, we, when people say, well, you know, um, how does God speak to you? Well, when you read the word of God. Absolutely. That's the absolute way. When I read the book of Ephesians, God is speaking to me. 
God is commanding me. God's exhorting me. God's warning me. God's directing me. If I just act and believe God's word and obey it, God is guiding me in life. And then from that foundation, there's that personal relationship. God speaks to me. But God's never going to speak to me something contrary to the word of God. No way. Yeah. So he's only going to affirm the word of God. Mm -hmm. And so it's very important. The plumb line for everything in life is the word of God. The plumb line is never crooked. It's always the wall that's crooked. <laughs> so we keep the word of God as the plumb line. Make the word of God the first thing to be the first thing. Simple. The majority of churches are not there. Seminaries, they're gone. Yeah. The majority. The majority Amen. of them. Amen. There's only a handful. It's interesting as we look at the narrative in the Gospels after the resurrection that the Jewish leaders, the religious leaders who didn't believe, they're the ones who remembered that Jesus had made claims yeah. concerning rising yeah. from the dead. And they're trying to do damage control. Right, right. That fascinates me. Right, well, the right. disciples had lost their minds and they were yeah. all messed up. Yeah, the Pharisees believed the resurrection more than the disciples. <laughs> In fact, everybody that denies the resurrection, well, how do you explain it? They, they believe the soul. They, they told Pilate, hey, give us, give us some soldiers who can secure the, the tomb. Yeah. Let the deception be worse than the first. He said, hey, you have men. Make as sure as you can. Yes. All right? The stone was rolled away. The angel sitting on the stone. The women were worried about how are we going to roll the stone away? God took care of all that. He did. He completely. Did. He does. So the non-believer believed the resurrection. Yeah. Before the resurrection. Amazing. <laughs> now, it gives us the account that as, uh, for instance, Peter and John arrive at the tomb in the Gospel of John, that they see the grave clothes and everything all. What is seeing the grave clothes undisturbed? What does that indicate for us, Pastor X? Well, again, the face cloth is laid neatly folded a distance separate from the body. Right. In the body, the indication, the testimony of the Gospels is that it was intact as the body was in it. Okay. That came through. So, so you know, it wasn't, it, right, it wasn't unwrapped. It was still right, intact. shaped like a body. They were intact. But nothing there. Right, nothing there. Yeah. So, and the testimony of the angels is, why are you seeking the living among the dead? Yeah. He's not here. He has risen. Amen. Amen. So I guess, you know, if you're going to steal somebody's body, you're not going to unwrap it first. Yeah. <laughs> um, again, the evidence speaks for itself. Yeah. Um, but when people, uh, again, we understand that um, a person in his own state of mind, a natural state of mind of a sinner, is not going to believe naturally who Jesus is, what he did, yeah. and the resurrection. Absolutely. That is a divine miracle that takes place at the new birth. When we acknowledge our sinfulness, before requiring anybody to believe any of the particulars of Christian doctrine. Mm -hmm. The foundation is you must agree with God that you're a sinner and ask him to forgive you and to give you a new heart. Amen. New nature. Simple. Everything else will follow. Before that baby can walk or learn or anything, he has to be conceived. Yes. Yeah. Everything is in that conception. Matter of time will develop and and bring forth everything that will follow. And so it's very, very important. Amen. The stuff we're talking about, these are all documented sources of historical evidence, just, just like evidence that would be admitted in a court today. Isn't that right? Right. Cause and effect. You know, drastic changes of the apostles. I mean, you stop and think about they were all Jews. The first Jew, the first church was all Jewish. Yes. Okay. They, they were considered dead. Orthodox Jews who are practicing Orthodox Jews back in that day, they had a funeral for you. Yes. You know, you were, you were apostate. And uh, by the way, Paul didn't make um, um, messianic uh, churches. No. Okay? Yeah. So I don't know how biblical that is. Yeah, just churches. Paul was a Jew. Yeah. And he said, Jew and Gentile one, book of Ephesians. So how is it that Jews make messianic fellowships just to have the Jews. Yeah. And they try to bring the Gentile in and try to kind of make them feel that they are a little better than the regular Christian because now they understand all the terms and the holidays and stuff like that. Not so. Biblically, a messianic fellowship is not biblical. Mm -hmm. 
I know that some people are going to get upset, but it's okay. Yeah. If you're born again, Jew or Gentile, you go to church. Mm -hmm. The church of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. We're one in Christ Jesus. Yes. Doesn't matter. Yeah. And, and, and like you said, Jew and Gentile. One right, in, one absolutely. Christ, no different. It's interesting after the resurrection, you know, the, and the apostles were, I mean, they were paranoid. They were terrified uh, because the Romans were after them. The Jews were after them. Right. And yet, immediately after the resurrection, after the 40 days, Christ ascends, they are preaching the gospel. They're different people. Right there in the same city. They're different people. It's amazing. Yeah. They are, they are not being intimidated. They don't care they go to jail. They don't care what's happening. Again, they're not being stupid. They're fleeing to other places, taking the gospel with them. You know, they go up to Antioch. Gentiles start getting saved. Go down to Samaria, preaching the gospel. Everywhere. Yeah. And so this is what we've done. You know, when I got born again in 1973, uh, you know, I was in the world on that. And then we just, my brother and I, we just started ministering. We used to have our Kung Fu studio, so we preached the gospel to our students. Amen. And then many of them came to the Lord. We went back to Ball Park High School, started evangelizing and, and ministering the gospel. And there was a huge outpour of God's spirit. We just went to our friends and everybody, you know. And we've been doing that for 50 years. Amen. You know what I mean? <laughs> then what else are we going to do? It, and it really is. I mean, it's, it's similar to change, you know. If anyone's yeah. in Christ, he's a new creature. You're creation. a new creature, yeah. You're going to change. Is. Outwardly, you're the same. Your personality, you'll remain the same. But your understanding about life and death and eternity mm -hmm. will have a greater urgency because you've met the Creator, the Savior of the world. That's huge difference. Huge and I'm sure difference. the people who knew you in 73 saw it right away. All of our friends did, <laughs> yeah. In fact, I'm doing a, a funeral for one of my best friends, Joey Hernandez, this Saturday. Amen. And uh, Joey was in the world, me, uh, Joey, and myself, and Pastor Joe Elias, a cornerstone. We used to run around, we were partying all the time together. And Joe and I got saved, but Joey didn't. And Joey had a rough life. Amen. And when I buried his mom 10 years ago, he came to the Lord. Amen. After 40 years of praying for him and visiting him and all that, he came to the Lord. And the Lord just took him home about three, three and a half weeks ago. And God gave him 10 years of just incredible time with the people of God. Man, his life was transformed. Amen. What a miracle. So it's great. That's God awesome. is so good. Yeah, I'm sure the people who knew the apostles saw them and saw the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Every generation. It doesn't matter whether you're uh, from Mexico, whether you're from Poland, whether you're whatever. It doesn't matter. We're all sinners. Amen. You need to repent. Some of you may be out there thinking, you know, uh, well, but, you know, I've never really done anything real bad. Well, it doesn't matter. You're born a sinner. Uh, being born into this world condemns you. Um, you don't like that, you can pick it up with Adam when you see him in heaven. But um, <laughs> that's just the way it is. And so Jesus in his love asks you to look at your life and see if he's not telling the truth that you're a sinner, that you missed the mark. That in you, in your heart, there's good and evil that goes on. And that you have no way to control that. That you need to be born again. To ask him to forgive you of your sins. That he would give you a new heart, a new mind, a new spirit, a new nature. So that you can glorify God. And then be an asset to people around you. And you can pull people out of the fire by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not by your good works, but by grace through faith you're saved. And so Jesus always asks a public confession of people. It says, if you, if you confess me before man... I will confess you for our Father in heaven. If you deny me, I will deny you. And so, if you don't know Jesus, ask him to forgive your sins. Ask him to save you. In Jesus' name, he will do that. Don't make it complicated. Take the step of faith, and a whole world will open up to you. Keep it very, very simple. God bless you. You've been listening to Keep It Simple with your host, Pastor Xavier Reese, on Simple Truths Radio. We hope today's broadcast has informed, encouraged, and challenged you in your own personal walk with Christ. For more information regarding Simple Truths Radio Ministries or Calvary Chapel Pasadena, please visit calvarychapelpasadena.com. We hope you'll be back for our next discussion, and may God richly bless your day.